In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. The topic for today is humility, the Christian vocation of downward mobility, and reverence, the practice of upward inclination. First, humility. Paul asks us to think of others as better than ourselves, but that often boils down to thinking badly of oneself and not thinking of anybody else at all. That's not what he means. The way to get to humility is not by looking inward via negativa, rather to look outside oneself to something that fills one with awe, inspiring, uplifting, exhilarating, to look to God the greatness and the wonder of the things he has made, the creation which testifies to his glory, to life and to the author of life. Life, that's reverence for life. And the life lived here in the body, in a bodily world, a wonderful world filled with good things that are ours, ours for the asking, ours for the taking, or so it seems. A world full of Things that you take in your hand and stuff in your pocket saying, this is mine. Or spaces you enter with your hands in your pockets. Spaces you thrust yourself into faced first saying, everything is mine. Not the creator's, mine. Mine for the taking, not for the asking. Entitlement, we call it. Not reverence, not humility. The opposite of both. The sense that anything and everything is mine. No, nothing is mine. Everything is God's, even the body, especially the body. We were bought at a price. It's ours to take care of for God. The pervading, persistent sense that everything is God's, that too is reverence that the world is charged with the grandeur of God, infinity seen in a grain of sand, eternity in an hour, that's reverence. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body, in the body. Soma, the writer of the letter to Hebrews, gives us some practical help. We can get to reverence by thinking of our creatureliness, since you also are in the body. This acknowledgement of our mortality, our finitude, our boundedness has a purpose. The philosopher Paul Woodruff in his book, Reverence, writes, and I quote, reverence begins in a deep understanding of human limitations. If nothing else will, it is our own mortality that must stop us short with the specter of our limitations. Creatureliness, we call this, because it makes us one in the same as all others who share those limitations. The creatures with whom we share this planet share our lives, the creatures who give their lives for us, who are entrusted to our care whether they want to or not. 
We, like them, are finite in this. Over this, we have no control. We acknowledge that there is something to which we must submit or surrender our aspirations, our memories, and our dreams. And this draws us together, and it engenders in our hearts a fellow feeling for those who share the same condition. We want always, maybe out of fear, to cut ourselves off from our creaturely roots, ignoring the possibility that if we seek only to soar in the ether with the angels, we shall soon enough grovel in the dust with the devils. We carry our treasure on this side of the veil in vessels of clay, fragile, brittle, and easily cracked or crumbled. Woodruff continues, reverence begins in a deep understanding of human limitations. From this grows the capacity to be in awe of whatever we believe lies outside our control. God, truth, justice, nature, even death. But death will humble us if none of the others do this. What then? The capacity for awe as it grows brings with it the capacity for respecting fellow human beings, flaws, and all. We discover that our response to the thought of death, that awareness of our own weakness, is the way of connecting us compassionately with the weakness of others, of loving others. When we believe we're invincible, None of this has any effect. But death establishes the limit to our being, at least on earth. What then establishes limits on our knowing? Here the problems begin again, for here the frustrated quest for immortality reestablishes its vice-like grip on our souls. We become awestruck by our own capabilities, our ability to know what to do and then do it, fashioning our own universe. It's all very well to know what you know. Our problem is that we don't know what we don't know. We don't see the limits that separate truth from fiction, reality from illusion. What we do achieve goes to our head, especially in this technologically obsessed culture in which there's a way of doing everything by following a little list somewhere. Who we are becomes very much a function of what we do and what we know so that we can do it. As a result, we want to be seen as those in control, which means always knowing what to do and when to do it. In truth, half the time, we know no such thing. We have no idea what we're doing. We act anyway as if we did. We enter a closed universe in which we have to have all the answers and in which we become more and more authors of our own reality. Indeed, we are making a world in which we are more and more insulated from one another and from God. The beginning of human pride is to forsake the Lord. The heart has withdrawn from its master, writes the author of Ecclesiasticus. It might surprise us to imagine that the answer is not tightening our grip further on this synthetic universe made of our knowing, if that were possible, but rather opening up, accepting in humility the limits of our knowing, 
and developing the habit of turning to prayer when confronted with the unwelcome specter of our own ignorance. Doing this, we learn not to invest our energies in self-protection, fearing the judgment of a harsh master, but to throw ourselves into the arms of the divine mercy. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is my strength and my salvation. What reason do I have to fear anything? We have the reason to learn to live more and more, secure and confident in the knowledge that we are not God. We never will be and that we don't need to be, but we need God, and that God in Christ himself has guaranteed that we shall rise in him, and the day after the last day, he with us will bring us home back here, from heaven back to earth where the story ends, this earth restored with all its creation to pristine perfection. In the meantime, we are to love. That's all we're asked to do, brothers and sisters, to love. Love even those we don't feel like loving, especially them. Love those who don't love us. Carefully. We have no idea what a little love might do to ease the burden they bear. With compassion, we will also see the wonder of the other, of one another, of everything that is made, everything that God's hands have made and ours too, as they may have been inspired by God's, guided by God. This is not pantheism, not even panentheism. We walk a fine line, but the path goes here, no doubt about it. The path goes here, from God to creation, then back again, and then back. So, love. This is saying Jesus is Lord, Lord over everything he made, which is Lord over everything. Over a cosmos, a planet, this earth, this fragile, lonely, lovely planet to which he will return someday as king, King Jesus. Now, not just someday either, not just some other day, this day, now, right now. This world is not ours. Nothing is ours. This is his, all of it. And we will someday give him an account of what we have done with what is his and with one another. Around us, others are aching, desperate for a sign that they have not been abandoned, cast unnoticed into some cosmic void, abandoned and forgotten. Jesus came to embrace those, even those who flee, to gather them actively to himself through us, through you and me. Please let us let this world know of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for the world he made, the world which he loved, the world for which he gave his life, and loving him. Let us all, even now, join all creation's song of praise. Amen.
please stand. 